Walk in Your Excellence. I am your host, Sean Larry, and thanks for listening into this week's episode of Walk in Your Excellence. So many people take life for granted and don't realize that your life can change at any moment. At one point in my book, Unseen Thoughts, I share my experience when I had someone I love take his very last breath and die in my arms. And experiencing that will truly alter your way of thinking about life and make you so much more grateful. We are all familiar with the lyrics, I'm a survivor, I'm not going to give up, I'm not going to stop, I'm going to work harder by Destiny's Child. Today's guest is a survivor. We're going to hear how she decided to take hold of her future, create her own legacy and destiny, and where she found the strength to persevere when doctors gave her detrimental news. Veronica Williams is a good friend of mine. She is from Jersey City, New Jersey, a.k.a. Chilltown, and went off to Delaware State University, one of the well-known historically black colleges, to become a first-generation college graduate in her family. Not only that, she then went on to study mental health and counseling, obtaining her master's degree. Two years ago, she left her job in corporate America to start the journey of entrepreneurship and is now empowering those around her to take action in the workplace in the midst of facing a challenging health experience at that. Please join me in welcoming my very good childhood friend, Veronica Williams. Hello, hello, hello. Yes, welcome to the show, V. Oh my God. Thank you for that amazing introduction. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. I wasn't ready for that. Absolutely. You're a phenomenal woman, so I'm happy to have you here. I'm happy to be here. That awesome. was amazing. Awesome. That was amazing. So, Veronica, I want to jump right into it. You have so much to share with us and so many golden nuggets, but first, um, I'm thrilled to just see you. I have not seen you in so, so many years, and I'm excited to have you share your story to the world on on the show. The the floor is yours. I want you to tell us who Veronica is. Veronica. Veronica is a queen. Okay. And she's a healer. She's a friend. She's a motivator. Mm -hmm. She's a daughter. She's an entrepreneur. She's just all around. But most importantly, I'm a healer. And I feel like that's my purpose, nice. and that's why I'm here, to heal people. That is awesome. That is awesome. Have you always been uh, a passionate about going and, like, healing people? Um, I think so. Yeah. I think so. When I look back on, like, my childhood and when I think about, like, elementary school to high school, how mm-hmm. I was the go-to person. Okay. People would come to me and want advice about things or tell me their issues and thinking or hoping I'll have solutions. Sometimes when I didn't, I just was there to just listen. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, I think I'm good at that. Like, I think I'm good at doing just that, you know? So becoming the the adult V, Mm -hmm. (laughs) I started to understand, like, I think that's my purpose. I think that people are here for different reasons. And my reason is to heal. I'm here to heal. Awesome. And that obviously makes you a really good listener. I know that sometimes I struggle. I've gotten much better over the years of being a listener. um, And it's a skill. It's definitely a skill to have. And you have to, in order to be a healer, you have to be able to listen and really get in tune. And so have you thought about going into therapy at all? Oh, I, I've been in therapy. Oh, okay. Tell us about in that. In order for me to be a successful therapist, yeah. you have to actually sit in the seat wow. of being the client. So um, I think I started therapy in 2014. Okay. It was because it was a um, it was a work assignment, a, cl- a, a homework assignment for school. Okay. Yeah. I started my master's degree back in 2014, mm-hmm. and one of the topics, so one of the homework assignments was you had to find a therapist mm-hmm. and either make the call and set up an appointment, 
And that's all you had to do. However, I took it the whole step. Of I was course. like, I'm going to do this. And my job was paying for it at the okay, time. Right. I was like, okay, let me go ahead and finesse this system. Right. And you that was get, your first time. It was my first time. Wow. And I like, we dug deep. Mm. We dug deep. I knew I had some issues and right. I knew I needed to address some things. Yeah. And I was ready. Like, and that was the perfect time for me to do it. So I was like, I'm here. So where's that? My therapist, God bless her, because she passed away, but she was a mm. loving, loving, loving woman. Mm. Um, it was amazing. Yeah, like, what did you learn? What did you learn from therapy? I learned... Like your biggest takeaway. My biggest takeaway from therapy was not to expect people to work on themselves because you have. Mm. Not expect people to work on themselves because you have. Yeah. Wow. Because I was in therapy. I thought that people around me, oh, they should be working on themselves too. You know, mm. that they should be digging deep. They should, you know, get to the core of their issues. A lot of people experience trauma, but they don't want to like, they don't want to address it. Yeah. And then they have this trauma and it gets built up and built up and built up mm -hmm. and they don't, they don't address it. So sometimes their relationships fail mm. and, you know, they don't, they're, they're not in a good place. So I used to come to therapy like, well, I know this and I know this about myself. Why doesn't this person do it? And my, th and my yeah. therapist was like, that's not how it go, B. That's not how it go. Mm. And I also learned that I'm a little OCD-ish. Okay. <laughs> like <laughs> I think we all have a little bit of that in us. I know I definitely do. Um, you already touched a little bit about your childhood. Not too much. And so we're about to dig deep into like who cre like what are the things that went into creating the V that I see standing before me today. I have not seen you in years. And it's so crazy how life comes full circle. We used to literally walk to school together almost every yes. single day in elementary school. Uh, we separated when I moved away. We both went off to college and became successful and and then um, I ran into you I think a, a few years ago it was at a, a cookout that my fraternity throws super super random and we were able to reconnect and here you are sitting in the studio today um, I want you to walk us through your childhood because it obviously shaped a very strong woman who's sitting before us uh, tell us what your childhood childhood was like um, my childhood was pretty interesting uh, growing up um I grew up in Jersey City, mm -hmm. the hood. Yeah, Let, let's, the hood. let's be real. Yeah. I grew up in the hood. But I went to, I guess what you would say, like a multicultural school, okay. my elementary school. You went. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, 24. <laughs> like, it was kind of multicultural, but also bad at the same time. Right. But the class that I was in had maybe four black people in it. Yeah, yeah, because yeah. I was in a gifted and talented mm -hmm. program. So it was mm -hmm. like, I was already on that of like you needed to soar yeah. you needed to like go above mm -hmm. you know what society wants you to be in mm -hmm. so I've always set this high pedestal for me like ever you know just being in school and I think my family did too they wanted me to surpass what they did they mm -hmm. didn't want me to stop at college they want I mean excuse me they didn't want me to stop at high school mm -hmm. they wanted me to go to college they wanted me to do the things that they couldn't do most importantly my mother damn sure didn't want me to have a baby at 17 right like, right, right. <laughs> so it was like you know you it was structured to where as though you needed to do right mm -hmm. like i want you to do this at one point i'm like am i even black right i questioned myself as i questioned myself at times i had a vietnamese friend i don't know if you remember yeah. trend yeah oh yeah. my god yeah <laughs> 
still friends with her to this day like we are like really good friends like i literally hung out with people Mm -hmm. who didn't look like me and i started to feel like okay if this is what i gotta do to excel like they you know we did homework together we we thought that we were gonna go to different i mean go to the same schools Mm -hmm. etc so my childhood was pretty interesting so where's that Elementary school, I went to a multicultural school. Mm-hmm. When I got to high school, I went to a predominantly Hispanic school and studied business. Yeah. And like it was to the point where like my parents molded me to do business. They like, in order for you to be successful, you have to do business. Yeah, so your parents were really supportive. They you? were really supportive. Like they kind of instilled that in me. Mm. I don't think, bi- excuse me, I know business wasn't for me gotcha however because it's my parents mm-hmm. that are telling me that i should do this and these are the people who i look up to mm. i did it i remember having a conversation with my mom before i graduated eighth grade and she said you're either going to maris or ferris mm. maris is the catholic school that i had to like really not be creative and not wear the clothes that i wanted to wear because i'm super super fashionable in the right. sense that yes, i change my hair every other week Love and i'm it. like i need to express myself mm-hmm. So I was like, I'm not going to Maris. I'm going to go ahead and go to Ferris because I want to wear the clothes I wanted to wear. Gotcha. So in order for me to go to Ferris, I had to be go, go into a business magnet. Mm-hmm. I had to go into a business magnet. So I studied business in high school and I studied business in college. Mm-hmm. I really didn't want business. Here it is. I'm doing, uh, I, well, I'm finished with my master's degree in mental right. health for healing and helping people. However, I did something completely different just for my parents and my family because I wanted to, like, really excel. Yeah, that makes sense. That makes sense. And so it sounds like your parents were really, really uh, supportive of you and – but but you also are like a first generation college student, and so I definitely want to hear that experience. Um, like myself, I'm first generation. I had you know I was raised by my grandmother, who you know started have she had her first child at 13. We're talking like in the 30s and 40s, so way back in the day where you know life was a little bit different, and no one in my family was was educated, and I didn't have that sort of support system. But your family sort of weathered the storm and got what they made themselves successful without college degrees. And I know that's a, you know, people say, well, college is not for everyone, et cetera. Tell me about the path that you chose that was different from your family, which was to go to college and you went to his, uh, an HBCU. Yes, yes, yes. State. Um, again, it came down to when it was time to, for me to graduate high mm-hmm. school. Um, I had a partial scholarship to go to Rowan. Okay, in Jersey. In Jersey, uh-huh. And I was like, again, it was almost like it was almost like high school again. It's either I'm going to go to this Catholic school and have to wear this uniform or I'm going to go to this business school where I'm going to learn business, but I could still wear what I wanted to wear. Right. So Roman was giving me a partial scholarship, which my parents thought was wonderful, but I'm like, no. I'm going out of state. We're going to pay this out of state tuition because I wanted to go to HBCU. And I wanted to feel the blackness. I wanted to be liberated. I wanted to Mm. feel like I wanted to be around more of me. Mm. Like I said, in elementary school, I, I... Went to a multicultural school. Mm -hmm. It was multicultural in my classrooms because it was probably like four of us in that classroom. Mm -hmm. Then in high school, I went to a predominantly Hispanic school. So it was a lot of, you know, Hispanic people in high school. This time in college, I'm like, no, mm -mm. Mm. I'm going to go to this HBCU. Yeah. And that's what I did. And what did it do for you? Oh, my God. This is why my hair like this today. (laughs) (laughs) 
<laughs> this is why my I hair is it. like this today. It just it just made me feel proud to be a woman. Mm. It made me feel proud to be a black woman at that. Like I just felt the love, just being on the campus, just being around our people is just amazing. It's yeah. a wonderful feeling. I can't even describe it. Yeah. It just made me feel like this is where I needed to be. Like I'm glad I chose this school. Yeah. You know, this is where I needed to be because it made me feel it made me feel whole. Mm. It made me feel whole. That's powerful. I've always, I, you know, I, I reflect back on my life and I'm like, hmm, could I have gone to Morehouse? Could I have gone to Howard? I really wanted to go to Howard. Me too. And I, it's just like me I too. chose, I don't know, I, ch- I chose something totally different, which I'm grateful for. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, to, everyone has their own unique journey. Tell me about when you graduated from 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 college, you went off, right? And you have a different career now. But talk to me about that first career that you had. And you spent a significant number of years there. Seven years. Seven years. Talk to me about that experience. So graduating from HBCU, it's like you're either going to be looking for a job forever. <laughs> 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 That's the stigma to, HBUs, yeah. to HBCUs. For I'm sure. sorry. For sure. It's like you're either going to be looking for a job forever. You're going to be going back to homecoming still trying to like get down, yeah, right. et cetera. So I was like, that cannot be me. Facts. And I graduated in 09 and it was around the time of the recession came home like I was like I I want to go back home to the city because I felt like I would do better there and sure enough I interviewed with a company and got the job immediately mm. got the job immediately started working for an investment bank in New York um, I worked on a team where I negotiated contracts for um, programs that the company uses and we use these programs in all of our like sister and um, brother areas and youngest one on the team wow I felt like I was, they they hired me because I knew, I knew what I was doing. But mm-hmm. they also hired me to diversify mm. their their unit. Yeah. You know, yeah. I was young and I also was black. Right. So they knew I was gonna bring something to the table. So working for them the first four years was okay. Mm-hmm. It was okay. You know, I was getting paid good money mm-hmm. at that time because mm-hmm. I was young. Right. You know, when you're young, you fresh out of college, they offer you 40 grand and you like, exactly. I'll, I'll take it. I'll I never take seen a paycheck. It. Right. I'll take it. I'll yep. take it. I remember at that those time, days. Yep. It was like, 21. Hmm. Yep. at that time, I was like, I'm taking it because mm-hmm. this is this is something that I need at the time. And this is good money to me at that time, because yeah. at that time, your priorities is different. Facts only. You're not paying bills. You're not paying back student loans yep. or anything I'm like chilling. that. Your priorities are different. Mm-hmm. So after being there for four years. I was like, I know I don't want to do this anymore, right? I enrolled in school. Mm. But at the time, for the four years, I didn't want to go to school um, full-time. I had to go back part-time because I'm working. And um, after being there for the four years, I slowly start to see, like, okay, this 60 grand not working for me no more. Right. You know, I wanted to buy a house. I wanted to do some things. And I'm like, I need more money. Yeah. I need more money. It's different. And, and I want the listeners to know that, like, yeah, at 21 to 24, your priorities is way different yeah. from 25 to 30. Yeah. You start to think differently. Your purchases start to be differently. Yeah. You're no longer buying those sneakers or that handbag because yeah. you're trying to save for something different. Yeah. So now I grew with the company, but the company didn't grow with me. Right. And so then you tried to, you, you, you knew that there was a change that needed to be had. Yep. Yep. Awesome. We're going to get into that change in a little bit um, where, where you actually made a really drastic decision to, to leave. Um, but I want to put that on pause because I know that there's something that 
that I want you to share with the world. Um, and speaking to you earlier, it was really unfortunate to hear that you're going through this this tragedy. As you know, I am no stranger to hardship, no stranger to tra- tragedy, but this battle that you have been fighting, specifically um, being diagnosed with cancer, oh. is, is like a, it's a big thing. Yes. Um, and I know it's difficult for you to talk about. I think that your story, however, and your decisions that you're thinking about making and what will really truly inspire a lot of women, thousands and thousands, tens of thousands of women who are going through this difficult time um, of hearing that, you know, when your doctor walks into the office and say, hey, we found something. All right. Right. I will never know what that feels like. Um, Talk to me a little bit about the first thing that came to your mind when hearing that news. I want to go back a little bit before doing hearing the news because I want to stress how important it is to do your self-examinations because some people think, oh, I'm 25, I'm 30, that can't happen to me. Mm -hmm. Here it is, I'm 30, and it happened to me. You know, during a regular shower, washing up under my arms, Mm -hmm. I felt something. And I'm like, what? What is this? And I kind of, I suffer from anxiety at points. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, I like really got anxious. Like, oh my goodness, what's happening? Like, I need to figure out what is this? You know, I don't have breast cancer in my family, but I do have cancer in my family. So mm-hmm. immediately I just thought of the C word. I wasn't even mm-hmm. thinking about anything else. I'm just like, oh my God, oh my God. Tried to remain positive. Went to the doctors. They're like, oh, you have to do the mammogram. You have to do the ultrasound. Um, another thing that I want to stress, because I had a hard time getting a mammogram because I'm under the age of 35. Insurances are some BS, okay? It's just a scam. Um, I had a representative tell me, oh, sweetie, they're not going to pay for it until you're 35. Wow. I said, excuse me? She said, yeah, we start doing mammograms for women at 35. So you mean to tell me I got to wait five more years to find out if I got cancer or not? That's crazy. Let me speak to a supervisor. Right. I did not stop. So don't stop. Mm -hmm. Keep pushing. You know, if somebody tell you something you know is not right, keep going. Ask to speak to a supervisor. Ask to speak to a supervisor. Ask to speak to someone Mm -hmm. because they are definitely trying to knock you down. Yeah. So important is to do self-examinations. And if you get a no, keep going until you get a yes. Because my insurance company was trying to tell me they weren't going to pay for my mammogram or my MRI because I was under the age of 35. I had to fight for it. Mm -hmm. I literally was calling people like, this this makes no sense. So you mean to tell me I got to wait five years to tell me if I got cancer or not? So you want me to die. That's That's how I felt. Right. That's how I felt. So women... Do your self-examinations. I, I just in a regular shower, I felt it. Mm-hmm. And I went to the doctor's appointments. And after doing several exams, ultrasounds, MRI testing, they gave me one diagnosis. And it was like, but do not rule out cancer. Okay. It said, do not rule out cancer. So I thought I was kind of free. Yeah. I was like, oh, you know, they gave me ADH. <sighs> I should be free. Mm-hmm. My breast surgeon was like, we want to really test this. Did another test. It was like, yeah, that that DCIS that they said do not rule out, you have it, which mm-hmm. is stage zero breast cancer. I was in so shock that I, I didn't believe it. I was like, I don't have that. Mm-mm, I, I don't have it. No. Mm-hmm. I got a little bit of a clamped. I'm like, I'm not claiming it. I, I, don't, I, I don't have that. No, no, I can't. How? Mm-hmm. I can't. Sure enough, 
after thoughts and telling me that I needed to remove the lump, I'm ready. I'm like, go ahead, remove it. They removed the lump, tested it some more, and said, look, we removed this. However, there's a 65% chance that this can come back and it can be invasive. We have these options for you. Wow. When they said that to me, I'm just like, oh, my God. Yeah. I want kids. That's right. all I'm thinking about at this time. Mm-hmm. I want kids. I want kids. I want to be able to be here. And I also wanted to be selfless for my family, too, because mm. here it is, my mother who lost a sister from colon cancer, her mother from pancreatic cancer, and now I'm her daughter, and they're saying that I have cancer. I felt for more for my mother, you know? Mm. I'm like, I got to be selfless. They gave me two options, right? Option A is to get another lumpectomy and go through radiation. And I'm scared of radi- I'm scared as hell of radiation or chemo because mm-hmm. I feel like that kills itself. Or B, get um, a mastectomy. Just mm-hmm. go ahead and remove the breasts. And like, I came to the decision that I'm just gonna go ahead and remove my breast. Wow. The breast is not gonna make me who I am. Mm. If I remove the breast, I'll still be here. My mother will still have her daughter. I'll still have my mother. I'll still have my friends and family. Wow. That, that breast is... to be gone. Yeah. But that's okay. I'll still be cute. I hear that. I'll Look still at be that. cute. Oh, my God. Veronica, <laughs> you have, have me in, in tears over here. Like, I just, I am so empowered. And, like, just the, the optimism that you bring, the life that you bring, it is clear that, like, God is protecting you and shining his light like and you still like a smiling and still amazing uh and just that statement of just like that my breasts don't make me who i am like i foresee you really really transforming a lot of lives just with this one story right um and you have so much more going for you you <laughs> left that job and became an entrepreneur didn't work for a long time <laughs> a lot of people will be terrified a lot of people like i don't make that i'm scared like I, i'm i'm like what would i do if i lost my job or i left my job to really like pursue my dreams um i mean sally may will be knocking at the door <laughs> my mortgage will be knocking at the door like that my car note will be knocking at the door right. but you made that very like you with the faith of a mustard seed you stepped on a le- on a limb and said i'm gonna start this because i care about it talk to me a little bit about your business first i love the name the name of this guys is respect me monetarily yep getting your coinage it's powerful what's going on with your business Respect me monetarily. Like, I love it myself. Like, when I was coming up with it, I'm like, respect me monetarily. And how it got derived was because of a conversation that I had with my supervisor at the time. Mm. We didn't get a raise. And I was like, what do you mean, we? Like, as, as a whole, the group didn't get a raise. That's crazy. And I said to her, like, you need to fight for this. Like, you know, I know I saved this company money. Like, I know, because I can crunch down the numbers. I can bring you a portfolio of what I saved, you know? Right, And we had this conversation, and she said to me, Veronica, she was like, oh, my God, you're just such a great asset to the team. I admire what you do, and I respect you. Like, I respect everything that you do and what you bring to this team. Mm -hmm. And when she said that, I probably could have knocked her over. (laughs) (laughs) You laughing. I probably could have knocked her over talking about she (laughs) respect me. You don't respect me because if you did, you would respect me the right way. Like, yeah. I feel like it should be reciprocated. Mm-hmm. You know mm-hmm. you know what I've been doing for this team. You know what's been going down. Mm-hmm. However, you had the audacity to tell me you respect me, but you can't fight for me to get a raise. Mm-mm. Yeah. I can't. 
So just that one conversation kind of drived respect me monetarily because mm-hmm. I wanted to really kind of cuss her out. Right. But I can't do that because <laughs> I can't I can't let that come out. Yeah, you know, yeah, I'm yeah, still yeah. educated and I'm a black educated woman and I want that to remain. Yeah, so yeah. in order for it to remain, I have to do it in a respectful way. Absolutely. So instead of like saying, can I curse? <laughs> Instead yeah, yeah. of saying, F you pay me, right, right. you know, instead of saying, F you pay me, which was I was thinking, I was like, no, you know, she has to respect me. I want the company to respect me and respect me monetarily, you yeah, know? Yeah. So it just flowed so well. Oh, my God, Larry. It yeah. just was like, respect me monetarily. I That's all that I need. Love like, it. disrespect me monetarily. And the mission of it is to, like, really empower people to to like live that like know their worth know, almost most importantly have confidence mm-hmm. and know their worth like and it was so crazy because during that time that i was going through this this was back in like april march april may yeah it was march april may and when i was like developing i'm straight going to i'm starting a website mm-hmm. i'm trying to get things out there i want to start conversational pieces at that time, like within two weeks or three weeks of that conversation, I had a mug made that said, respect me monetarily, that I sat on my desk. I love it. So it was a silent statement piece that, yeah, we had this conversation. I want to know. I want everybody to know mm. that we're having this conversation. I want to spark this conversation. Mm-hmm. So here is this conversation piece. Here we go. Right here on my, my desk. I love that. A mug stood, respect me monetarily. So if you walk past, you knew I meant business. I love it. And at that time, when when I was starting the business and when I was starting to make noise about it, I was watching TV, and I think it was like an icebreaker commercial. Um, A woman, a Caucasian woman, was going into an interview, and they told her that she was going to get like three weeks of vacation or two weeks of vacation, and she was like, I want three. He was like, well, standard is too. She was like, I am not standard. Yes. <laughs> I was like, that, see? Yes. yes. <laughs> People need to know this. This was a commercial. Yes. You can probably YouTube that commercial. Somebody mm-hmm. listen and know exactly which commercial right. I'm talking about right, right now. It was an icebreaker commercial. And this woman was going in for the interview. And she's like, look, I'm not standard. I she didn't that. say it in that tone, but she said, I am not staying there. She wanted three weeks opposed to that two weeks vacation that they was offering her. And this is the type of confidence that I want women to have. Not only women, but anybody, mm-hmm. you know, respect me monetarily can go all around. But I'm me. I'm only focusing on the women because it dealt directly with me. Mm-hmm. But when she was like, I'm not standard. I was like, see. I, look Look at the universe. I, I knew that was a sign. Right. I knew that that was God. I was like, I need to push this because it's out here. Yeah. Like, it needs to be out here. This is a conversation that needs to have. I want to instill confidence in women. I want pimp, I'm, excuse me. I want women mm-hmm. to know their worth. Like, yeah. I want them to be confident and demanding a salary from the door, you know, mm-hmm. or asking for that raise. I had people tell me, you go ahead and do it because you young. You can do it. The older people that was at my job when I started this, I was like, look, I'm doing it. And people were telling me, like, you you could do it because you're young. But me, no, I've been here for so many years. I'm going to just, I don't got nothing to fight for. I don't got nothing to prove. And mm-hmm. that hurt me. Mm-hmm. That really hurt me. I was like, just because you old doesn't mean that you can't demand the monetary respect you feel like you deserve. Absolutely. So I love it. I love it. And so for all of you listening, um, hearing Veronica talk about respect me monetarily and just this idea of like 
not being standard and knowing your worth. Um, if you are interested, there is a book that I read a couple years ago called Getting to Yes. Uh, I believe it's by Roger Fisher, and it, it's all about the art of negotiation. I am a life coach, a certified life coach, and one of the things I coach people on is making that, having that conversation, crafting that conversation, doing the research and having the data behind um, you know, the number that you're presenting to your boss. And I, too, I am so thankful that you are empowering young women uh, and everybody to definitely like respect themselves monetarily. Veronica, tell us how you walk in your excellence every day. Oh, I don't think we touched on it, but I walk in my excellence by just doing what I feel feel is mm. right mm. nice what I feel lately well for the past two years I've been doing things that feels right for me and I wish people could see me because feeling is like in your gut yeah and in your heart if it feels right to you you do that it felt right for me to leave my job mm. it felt right like I felt it in my stomach I yeah. felt it in my heart that I had to leave because if I didn't leave I wouldn't be here today, Yeah, you know? So I walk in my excellence by doing things that I feel is right for me yeah. and not letting my mind trick me. Because let me break that down for you, mm -hmm. right? When I say feel, you have to feel it in your gut. You have to feel it in your heart, right? Mm. If I would have battled with myself on June 6, 2016, when I left my job, my, my gut was telling me, Veronica, you got to go. You have to go. Mm. But if I allowed my mind to take over, it would have been like, girl, you know you got these bills. Yeah. Girl, you know you got to pay this. That's true. You got to pay this. And and granted, I had those bills. Yeah. And I had to pay whatever I needed to pay. And at one point, I was looking for a house. And I'm so thankful that I didn't get that house. Right. Like, I literally put in offers and earned his money down on homes. And it just was like, no, no. There's a reason why I got those no's. Yeah. Because if I would have got a yes to that house, I would still be working at that company because my mom would be like, you got to pay this mortgage. Mm -hmm. But my heart and my gut told me I needed to leave. Yeah. And I followed that. Yes, I love I it. I followed that. If I didn't follow that, I think I would be in a depressed state right now. Mm -hmm. So I walk in my excellence every single day by doing what I feel is right. That's right. Oh. What I feel is right. You have to do it with that gut feeling and whatever comes from your heart. Your mind will play tricks on you, and mm -hmm. it's really hard to get them in sync because the, your mind will tell you, like, nope, you got to pay for this, or nope, you know, you, nope. I'm going to go with my heart because I know that's love, and I know God is love. So anything that I do with him, I'm going to be I. Yeah. And I've been I. I love so. it. Yes, you have been I. Oh, thank you for sharing that. And speaking of guts, this makes me think of us. Um, uh, there's a funny story that we got to talk about for a second before we close this show. Walk, we're talking about feeling it in the gut and walking in excellence. I remember walking uh, to school with Veronica. Veronica, I'm going to let you tell this story because I feel like you tell it better. But little do the guests know. Uh, and thank God I do not have this addiction anymore. <laughs> I used to love me some honey buns. Mm -hmm. Oh my God! I used to love like my just sunflower seeds, like lemon heads, like Charleston cheese shoes, doodles. cheese doodles, and honey buns. <laughs> just thinking about all that stuff, I gotta go like to the gym when I leave here. What is our honey bun story, Veronica? Okay, okay. <laughs> like so, let the audience know that we walk to and from school for every day. Like every day. Larry and I were like really good childhood friends. Yep. Like and yep. shared stories, everything. We mm -hmm. were like. He 
taught me how to <laughs> choose a honey bun. Like, I guess he's like a honey bun connoisseur <laughs> because he taught me how to choose a honey bun. Like, I can remember this, like, verbatim being in the store, like, oh book bags on and so everything. And Larry's like, no, you got to get the one that's not too hard in the middle. <laughs> like, if it's too hard in the middle, it's not good. And here it is. I'm 30 years old. I haven't had a honey bun in years. But when I did eat them, I used to fill the center of them because Larry told me that I had to make sure that it wasn't too hard in the center. Because if it was hard in the center, no, like you got to let that, you got to let it bake oh a little bit more. God. You got to let it sit on a shelf. I so. can't. Y'all, do y'all hear this? I'm, as a child, I was like just creating stuff and analyzing things. Honey I'm buns, going y'all. with it too. Honey buns. Lord, I guess that made me uh, the person I am today, walking in my excellence. Veronica, tell us where we can find you. Um, you can find me on Instagram at respectmemonetarily underscore. Um, you can also visit the website. Um, eventually, I'm going to uh, start back up because I've been slipping a little bit, but I'm going to start back up having conversations. And also... Um, educating women or having one-on-one sessions with women to let them know like you're not alone like if you're stuck in a place you can contact me you could contact someone on my team and we can talk to you and you we can walk you through a situation um so monetaryrespect.com so Mm -hmm. the website is monetaryrespect.com and on instagram we are respect me monetary respect me monetarily and then there's an underscore at the end of that so you can definitely find us in those areas awesome veronica williams the entrepreneur the inspiration uh the cancer survivor i am leaving this episode feeling so grateful to have her as a friend um and a, a beacon of hope for so many who are struggling with their health uh folks thanks for listening in this is your host sean larry until next episode define who you are follow your passion speak your truth be unapologetically you and always remember to walk in your excellence